0: Hey, this is Scott Klazowski. You've landed at the Digital Optimist, a podcast that looks into the future of technology impacts on the world. Yeah, I see a brighter future coming, so jump into a few episodes and see if you agree. Yeah, I've got to take a quick detour from talking about the uh, machine intelligence ecosystem. Uh, We're not leaving the machine intelligence ecosystem. We're just going to take a detour towards one of the outcomes that we really need to talk about. It's not just an outcome. It is a fantastic outcome. And that is going to be the rise of the Digital Centaur. So the Digital Centaur, think of it like this, it's the next level past what today we would call a power user in an organization. And the term actually comes from the military. Uh, I I was talking with somebody one time uh, from the military and we got into a conversation about how the military had done everything they could possibly do to create the best human soldier. They couldn't make their bodies any more physically fit Uh, they couldn't make their minds any more trained or make them uh, any tougher than they were and so the only place that they could go was to actually enhance them with technology and they had a slang term for this which was called uh, creating a centaur a soldier that was part human and part technology Well, that term has migrated into the business world a little bit. And uh, now we talk about a digital centaur as, again, the next level past just a power user. Uh, And I'd like to create even more of a definition for us, uh, for our working going forward, and just something for you to be thinking about uh, as you kind of gaze into where we are and where we're going to be. I look at a digital centaur as being first- a highly evolved human being healthy mature enlightened a high eq kind you know works well with others so if we do the comparison with a soldier right we can create a soldier who is completely physically fit you know a very strong and tough mind you know intelligent about warfare well the analogy uh, out in the world outside of the military Uh, would be that we have created a highly evolved human being that is high on the charts of humanness. Now, the second piece would be a high level of technology skills. Skills with an S, not skill. So a power user is oftentimes thought of somebody that has one specific skill with an application or, or in a specific area of technology. Now, our digital centaur, adding to that amazing humanness, Has a collection of technology skills across applications, how they use data, how they use technology to communicate effectively, how they use technology to collaborate with everyone around them, how they use devices, right? So the two pieces of a digital centaur, a highly evolved human being and a high level of technology skills. So that's going to be our working definition for a digital centaur. Now, <clears throat> we're starting to see a few of these out in the world, but not many. Uh, so machine intelligence obviously is growing. So the devices, the systems that we have uh, that, that help us, you know, that inventory is growing. And what's important to understand is we are starting to see people that have good skills with the machine intelligence tools that we're getting now. Uh, And they are balancing that with, let's just say, uh, you know, being very good people. And I know that's a general term and that that varies from person to person. But again, you know, I've defined highly evolved human being, healthy, mature, enlightened, high EQ, kind, works well with others, with with adjectives like that. And, And the critical thing to understand here is the balance, the balance of those two things. Uh, now, you know that we are big fans of the concept of humology balance, right? The balance uh, uh, of the H side and the T side. And it's not just balancing that in an organization or finding the right point on the humology scale for an organization or a process to be. For a digital centaur uh, to be as effective and healthy as possible, they have to also find the balance between how much time they spend with technology, how much time they spend Uh, with humans doing human things. Uh, And so balance is a key word. If we want a a highly effective and healthy digital center, they have to be able to balance the two high levels appropriately. Now, I don't mean necessarily that 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 exact balance is 50-50. I just mean that they do have to balance how much effort, how much energy, how many resources they put into growing both sides of themselves. All right, with that definition, the world needs digital centaurs. Let's step back. The world needs digital centaurs. Uh, digital centaurs have a, a, an amazing amount of power and ability and the maturity to use it. The world, for it to move forward, for us to have this optimistic future that you know I have, we have to understand that we need the ability to solve problems. The world is full of problems. We cause many. Arguably, most of the problems human beings do, but the world is full of problems. Society is full of problems. Uh, The technology world is full of problems. The world needs digital centors to be able to navigate through the problems, solve the problems in healthy ways. Organizations need centaurs. For organizations to be successful... Uh, especially in a world that that has an element of competition in it, uh, where organizations are sometimes competing against each other for uh, the same markets. So in a a competitive economy, uh, if that's where your organization is, or even if your organization is a a government organization, uh, a school, uh, you may not be in competition, but you have the need to constantly improve so organizations need digital centers to be able to help drive that improvement, and so just under, understand how critical these can be. So again, just just in the definition, when we can create highly evolved human beings with wonderful humanness, amplify them with amazing technology skills, you know, we have created people. Uh, that are going to be able to just continue to advance the world in wonderful ways. And if what you really care about is organizations and how to make your organization better, uh, a digital centaur is going to bring you an amazing amount of power in the organization. So let's turn to how do we get them. So how do we get centaurs? How how does the world create more of them? How does an organization create more of them? Uh, Well, that's an interesting question, and uh, to look at that, we really need to divide this into two different types of, of digital centaurs, a, a digital centaur leader and a centaur citizen. All right, I'll, we'll use that vocabulary. Uh, those are two very different because of the way that they show up in the world. For example, a centaur leader, uh, by their very nature, they are examples for others. So a centaur leader, everyone looks up to and they say, well, this person is successful. This person is the leader. Uh, I should copy those skills or copy the way that that leader is. Uh, Not everybody uh, immediately gravitates towards leaders and tries to copy everything about them. I understand that. Uh, But by and large, uh, the way the world works is people who are leading Thinkers, leading actors, leading sports people. I mean, people who are leaders in anything, uh, they do set a tone for other people to look up to and to sometimes at least try to uh, copy or mock some of the things that they're doing. So a centaur leader is really important. And this is where we have a gap today. Now, this is a generational issue. Uh, I don't want you to think that I, that I say, hey, we have a gap because we can't have Centaur leaders because, you know, a lot of our leaders are older and uh, older people can't use technology. Uh, it, it isn't necessarily that simple. It, the gap that I think we have is a lot of leaders, you know, tend to be, let's say, o- over 50 years old. If I, we were just to pick some number because we got to pick some number, uh, we might argue there's more leaders that are over 50, than there are leaders under 50. Uh, it, just if we think about organizations, uh, boards of directors, things like that. So the issue isn't necessarily that they're not good at technology or that they can't learn. The issue is that they haven't had a history of it necessarily. So in other words, they've had less time to be able to build up the foundation of the technology skills, right? That, that's more of the issue. Is that they probably did not start till later in their life or later in their career uh, to really get deeply into technology they might have used technology a little bit when they were younger uh, but not heavily and in a lot of cases they were just users of the technology they weren't builders of it they weren't understanders of it programmers of it they just used it okay so this is the gap that we create now uh again One of the things to understand is we are having people under 50 years old, under 45 years old, who have spent a lot of their life not only using technology, but building it, designing it, uh, programming it. And and so we do have some examples of younger leaders who might be in their 30s, right? Early 40s, late 20s, uh, who are trending more and more towards being a, a digital centaur. That, you know, They're far surpassed being just a power user. And as they add the humanist side, as they add the strong human skills, then they're getting closer and closer to this uh, not-so-mythical creature of a digital centaur that, uh, that I think you know, I look at and say, wow, this is going to change the world. Uh, now, it, it's interesting to understand that uh, you know, some leaders, when you look at the younger ones, Uh, They have developed, you know, mad technology skills, but they haven't developed the humanist skills just yet. Uh, And this is the way the world is. It takes a long time to evolve as a human. We don't get maturity and wisdom, uh, you know, at 20 years old. It's just impossible. Yes, we can have people who are wise beyond their years, but generally it takes some seasoning it takes until you've had many experiences, you've been able to see many different things and understand many different viewpoints before you can evolve you know, into that mix of you know, physically healthy and mature and enlightened and high EQ and all those things that I mentioned earlier. A, a good example of this might be somebody like Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, in, in his 20s and 30s, mad technology skills, as I mentioned, uh, but, you know, coming up the curve on the humanness. And, and you can see that in Mark, that he struggles. He has struggled for a long time about, you know, what is the impact of the tools that he's built or the companies that he has? What's the impact on the world? And you can see he struggles with the ethics and the morals behind all of that. And I give him credit for the fact that he at least struggles with it. Uh, and I sense that he's trying to figure that all out. So he would be somebody that was very strong on the technology side, needed to come up the curve on the humanist side. All right. As opposed to, let's say, a 60, 65-year-old leader today who might have come up the curve on the, on the humanist side but really struggles with the technology side. It's a matter of putting them both together. So that's the leader, right? The centaur leader. Let's look at the centaur citizen. A centaur citizen is certainly beginning to evolve when we look at the millennials and the Gen Z generations. So these are generations that have known nothing more than technology. In a lot of cases, they're not just users. You know, they, they seek to be able to leverage technology, build it, design it, program it at higher rates than maybe people older than them. And so they've got that technology side more and more, and they are now going to, as they mature, add the humanist side. And so I'm very interested in Centaur citizens being able to be created faster and faster with these two generations and the generations after them. The only problem that I see here is that we really haven't clearly defined a digital Centaur as something to shoot for, right? What what one looks like and why people should do everything they can to try to evolve into that. And again, uh, I, I want to understand, or I want everybody to understand, I don't believe that everybody needs to be a digital centaur. Just like I don't believe every company needs to be over on a, a T4 on the humology scale. Uh, there, it is going to be perfectly fine. This is not a good or bad judgment that if you're a, a digital centaur, you're good. If you're not a digital centaur, you're not going to be good. Uh, I'm not saying that. But when we talk about being effective, we talk about being efficient, we talk about creating value, especially in in the economy or solving some of the more difficult world problems, then there is going to be high value to being a digital centaur. But I just want to make sure I'm clear uh, that I'm not making this something that is good or bad. Uh, I just uh, want to make sure that everybody does understand that there will be amazing power that a digital centaur will have to be able to help the world. But as I was saying, the gap that we have uh, with, the, with the citizen, right, the Centaur citizen, is more we have not built models of what they look like. That is not something where we have a score, we don't have a scale, we don't have a, a grade card where we say, hey, here, here's where you are coming up on the Centaur citizen scale. Hey, this is what it means to have capabilities on both sides, the humanist side and the technology side. And until we put something like that together, people don't have anything to shoot for. I mean, as they have more examples, whether those are coming from Centaur leaders or other Centaur citizens, when they have examples that they can see of people who are healthy and doing amazing things, uh, then they will have something to shoot for. But the more that we can define what a a digital Centaur is, both a, a Centaur leader and a Centaur citizen... I think the more people will seek to achieve it, the more this is unspoken, the more we don't define it. It makes it harder for people to have anything that they can actually shoot for. So obviously we're going to have to get better at defining it and then showing people how to incubate those skills, you know, how to add the knowledge and the capability uh, on both sides so that people will gravitate in that direction. Uh, Now, We can't ignore that that, uh, another big inspiration is going to be the economic side of this. Uh, A digital centaur is going to get paid more than someone that is probably not a digital centaur. Not in every case, but I would say in most of the cases, uh, whether that's a centaur leader or a centaur citizen, uh, because of the combination of skills and, again, uh, the capabilities that they will have, uh, they will be rewarded more in the economy. Uh, and I think as people see that, uh, then, of course, they will, they will gravitate towards wanting to, you know, not just be a power user, right, but to be able to get all the way up to that higher level of a centaur. So let's think about it just for a second from the organizational standpoint. Uh, what would it look like if an organization is filled with digital centaurs? Uh, You know, an interesting analogy might be startups today, you know, you look at Silicon Valley startups, or you look at technology startups. Uh, They may not have both sides of the equation. uh, But you can have a startup that's got 10 people in it, of which eight of them have the digital skills to be a centaur. They're way past what a power user would be eight out of 10 of them. Now, they may not have the humanist side. In fact, if they're young, they're not going to have, uh, you know, the fantastic human side skills but they at least have the fantastic technology skills. And we all know uh, how successful some of the startups have been just having a high percentage of their uh, team um, have the technology side of the Centaur skills. So if we look at that model and we say, well, what would a, an insurance company look like? What would a law firm look like? You know, What would a retailer look like? if a high percentage of their team members actually are able to work their way up to digital centers, not just the technology skills, but also that high capability on the human side. Uh, It's a wonderful picture, of course, and uh, it's also not something that's just philosophical. Uh, You know, in my future point of view, uh, I clearly see this is where we're going. It's a matter of time. In other words, maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 50 years, But eventually, we will get to the point where, uh, whether we call them digital centaurs or whatever we call them, uh, there will be people who are striving to have high-end skills on both sides of this equation. Those people will be highly valuable. They'll be paid more. Organizations will seek to grow them, hire them, uh, to be able to amplify what their organization can do. Let's talk for a second then about, well, what is HR going to need to look like? I mean, these are people after all. These are not machines, okay? This is not something we go, equipment we go buy and we program and then we turn it loose and it's fully automated. These are human beings. So we have an opportunity to just hire digital centaurs in that somebody else has trained and nurtured, or we can build our own. We can nurture our own digital centaurs. But to do that, HR is going to have to be dramatically different than it is today, when I say dramatically different, I mean it's not a little bit of evolution. Uh, our HR, the, you know, what we call human resource today, it would need to take a real dramatically different view of how to do this. For instance, how do you identify people that have the potential to do both sides, not just the technology skill side, but also, you know, grow to be highly evolved human beings? So, so how do we identify that potential? How do we interview people to see? What, what their potential is on both sides. How do we hire these people? How do we onboard them? Because onboarding them into the organization is going to be critical. How do we educate them over time? I don't mean training. I mean educate. Like how do we educate them over the long term to be able to grow both sides of their capabilities? How do we reward them for growing both sides of their capabilities? How do we help manage their career? Like all of this needs to evolve tremendously from where we are today, if we're going to be able to grow organizations that have 60, 70 percent of the team members, you know, who have achieved this uh, digital centaur status. I'm excited about the the you know what the next 10 to 20 years looks like of mixing in the younger generations with this concept and getting way past you know, hey, let's just create a few power users in the organization. But, hey, let's try to get 60 70% of our organization to be digital centaurs. I'm excited about it from the technology side. I am just as excited about the humanist side. How do we help evolve healthy human beings uh, that are enlightened, that have high EQ, uh, they are uh, mentally in a good place, they are physically healthy? And I understand that today some people might hear me say that and go, hey, that's not an organization's responsibility. That's on you. You have to do that yourself. And I think we're past that point in time now. I think we're, we're at a point in history where organizations do have to take more and more responsibility for the human side if we're going to push more and more for people to connect with the digital side to be able to get their jobs done. In other words, I don't think that it's right for an organization to say, hey, we're going to make you co-work with technology for eight hours a day. And then we're going to pay no attention to what the impact is on you on the human side. I really believe we're going to have to pay rapt attention to both sides in order to create these digital centaurs. All right, when I step back and I imagine a world like this, I imagine a a world with organizations that have a high percentage of centaurs. I imagine a world where we have centaur leaders and we have centaur citizens and part of the reason I use the word centaur citizen is, hey, not everybody's got to work for an organization. You know, there can be a lot of people that are just staying at home raising kids, you know, who are centaur citizens and doing wonderful things for the world. And so I don't want people to think that I, this is all about business or all about organizations. Uh, it's just one of the, the powerful places, right, where this is gonna evolve. It will evolve in the world also. And, and as I look at that, I see a world where we're able to solve problems that today we, we, don't, we can't solve, or, or it's taking us too long to solve, outstanding problems we've never been able to solve. And so uh, I, I'm so excited to, to have these digital centaurs in the world uh, that are be able to help us evolve and evolve faster. You know, again, a world where these digital centaurs can help us to find the truth with a capital T around any question in a much better degree than we can define the truth today. Why? Because the digital centers are so strong with uh, data and analytics. And so they're they're so able to make fact-based decisions, illuminate what the truth and the facts are for everyone else. And so uh, this is one of the reasons why I'm so highly optimistic about this concept of digital centers and why... I think it's so important that we start talking about it, we put a word on it, and then we start talking about how do we measure it, how do we help people evolve into being able able to achieve this state. Uh, Again, I don't care if this is the word that everybody ends up calling it, we don't have to call them centaurs, but conceptually, just understanding that this is is where uh, many human beings could move to, um, that could help the world be a better place and could help them be in a better place, I just think about a world where balancing the sheer power of technology with the the massive force of our humanness, bonding those things together to create a positive future that, that honestly is just difficult for us to imagine today. You know, we look around today and we think we are so evolved and we think we are really intelligent with all of our science and all of our inventions and, you know, our The level of human enlightenment that we have, because it's all we know. And we look back 15, 20, 50, 100 years, and sometimes we sneer at how crude things were, you know, when I was younger, when my grandparents were around. And what we lose sight of is the world that we live in today will absolutely be viewed as crude when people look back in the future. And I don't mean way in the future. So, I'm excited about the fact that uh, when we can evolve these digital centers as we've defined them today, uh, we will be able to cure things in the world, improve things in the world that again today we can't even imagine need to be improved. Because all we can see is our reality that's in front of us today. You know how much uh, I love to be high beam, and so I just ask you to be high beam around this concept of digital centaurs and what it means to not only grow way past being power users, but to also integrate in this highly evolved and mature humanness that, trust me, we all need. We all need it, Uh, not just the person next to us. We all need to achieve that as well. So as we close out this podcast series uh, on machine intelligence... I just wanted to make sure people didn't lose sight of the fact that machines are not going to replace everything that humans do. I mean, I, I, you, I, I believe probably more than most people about what AIs are going to be able to do or robotics and how many things that they'll be able to replace that we do as human beings today. But I am crystal clear that machines are not going to replace everything that we do, nor that we don't need them to, and they won't. Uh, there will still be this large human side of what we do you know the emotions right the connection the love you know all of these things which are, are the wonderful side of being a human being that machines will not be replacing and will not be doing for us and so I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that yes we have a machine intelligent ecosystem it, it is growing at amazing rates uh, but in the world it, it is not going to become a uh, uh, conscious and machines take over the world, and machines do everything for us, and there's no role for human beings. Uh, you know, we we need to continue to to let go of that kind of Hollywood version of the future, and we need to focus more and more on this world when we blend and integrate uh, machine intelligence with human beings to be able to create digital centaurs who are going to be able to have a tremendously positive impact on the world. So. I I hope this is something you will give some thought to. I hope this is a topic you'll talk to your friends about and use whatever vocabulary you want. Use digital centaur or use some word that you make up, but share the idea of trying to balance amazing technology capabilities with amazing human capabilities and maturity. And let's see what we get from that. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at S. Klosowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklasosky.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and raise this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.